This is the day that the Lord has made. We shall rejoice and be glad in it. Hi, my name is Dr. Lou Diaz, pastor of Butte Bible Fellowship located at 2255 Pillsbury Road in Chico. And I'm providing inspirational teaching for you from God's Word each week. Listen to my weekly radio program, Encouraging Words with Dr. Lou Diaz, at 10 a.m. on Saturday or 10 a.m. on Sunday. If you would like to hear my current message series, you may call Butte Bible Fellowship at 530-892-0521. When a person goes through an experience and they learn something from it and it's changed their lives, they want everybody to know. And that's exactly what we have here. David had sinned. He had covered up that sin. He finally confessed that sin and experienced God's full forgiveness. And he writes about it in his journal, the Psalms, and tells us all about it. Let's read from David's journal, Psalm 32. Blessed is the one whose transgressions are forgiven, whose sins are covered. Blessed is the one whose sin the Lord does not count against them and in whose spirit is no deceit. When I kept silent, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. For day and night your hand was heavy on me. My strength was sapped as in the heat of summer. Then I acknowledged my sin to you and did not cover up my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord, and you forgave the guilt of my sin. Therefore, let all the faithful pray to you while you may be found. Surely the rising of the mighty waters will not reach them. You are my hiding place. You will protect me from trouble and surround me with songs of deliverance. I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will counsel you with my loving eye on you. Do not be like the horse or the mule, which have no understanding, but must be controlled by bit and bridle, or they will not come to you. Many are the woes of the wicked, but the Lord's unfailing love surrounds the one who trusts in him. Rejoice in the Lord and be glad, you righteous Sing, all you who are upright in heart. Let us pray. Our Heavenly Father, thank you for your word, and thank you for David, who was a human being with his successes and failures, and who shares with us what he's learned from his personal, intimate relationship with you. Help us to learn and to apply your truth to our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. We're in a series called Psalms, Praying for a New Perspective. And we come now to this sermon entitled, How to Feel Fully Forgiven from Psalm 32. How to feel fully forgiven. We are to celebrate that God forgives sin. We're to testify that God convicts denial. We're to confess instead of cover up sin. We're to experience being fully forgiven and we're to learn the forgiveness lessons. To provide the context for this psalm, you may remember that in the spring, and this is in 2 Samuel chapters 11 and 12, in the spring, at the time when kings go off to war, David sent Joab out with the king's men and the whole Israelite army. And instead, he walked around on the roof of his palace and he saw a very beautiful woman and wanted her, even though he was told she is Bathsheba, the daughter of Eliam, 
and the wife of Uriah the Hittite. He had the woman brought to her, and uh, he was unfaithful and committed adultery, and then he tried to cover it up by bringing Uriah, who was a soldier, back on leave, hoping that Uriah would sleep with his wife because his wife Bathsheba had told David that she was pregnant. Uriah said, how could I enjoy the comforts of home when my men are on the battlefield? I can't do that. So King David had Joab put Uriah in the thickest of the battle so that he would be killed. And surely he was. And after the days of mourning, Bathsheba was made his wife. So David committed two very grievous sins, one, adultery, and the second, murder. And we read in the book of Psalms, Psalm 51, his psalm of confession. And we read here in Psalm 32, his celebration of God's forgiveness and grace. Let us look at Psalm 32 and see the parts as it applies to us. First, we are to celebrate that God forgives sin. If we're going to enjoy God's forgiveness fully, we need to celebrate that God and God alone forgive sins. In Shakespeare's Macbeth, Lady Macbeth is saying, out, out, darn spot. Well, she didn't use the word darn. But she, no matter how many times she washed her hands, she could not get the guilt away from her. And here we have the words, Blessed is the one whose transgressions are forgiven, whose sins are covered. Blessed is the one whose sin the Lord does not count against them and whose spirit is no deceit. Now, to appreciate forgiveness, we must understand sin. There are different words used in the original Hebrew to talk about sin here in Psalm 32, verses 1 and 2. There's the word transgressions, pesha in Hebrew. And it means to pass over a boundary, to do what's prohibited. And it's an act of defiance. It's, it's defying God by crossing over the line he has drawn. The Lord, in his goodness, to provide for us and to protect us, says, Here's what you should do, and here's what you shouldn't do. But when we cross that line, we have transgressed. We have sinned. The second Hebrew word for sin is iniquity, or avon, or avon. Avon, iniquity, means inward crookedness, perversity, morally distorted. Taking something good and twisting it to be bad. It's contrary to justice and fairness. So we, as human beings, have crossed the boundaries God has set for us, and we've done what we shouldn't have done. We've gone where we shouldn't have gone. And secondly, we have inward crookedness so that we take good things and make them bad things. And third, the word sin, chata in Hebrew, means Missing the mark, not doing what was commanded, failing to meet God's standard. We've all taken our arrows and we've missed the target by a mile. Can we be honest? We've all sinned, we've all transgressed, we've all been crooked, and we've all missed the mark. And there's one more Hebrew word for sin, and it means guile, remiah in the Hebrew. And it means deceit. The worst part about our sin is that we are deceitful in how we carry out our sin, cover up our sin, and carry on with our sin. Now, right at this moment, every one of us should be saying, I resemble that. I've done that. I've been there. I struggle with that. Yes, 
all those words describe me. Good, because you have to understand the bad news before you can appreciate the good news. We all have sinned, we all fall short of the glory of God, but praise be to our merciful and gracious Lord because He and He alone forgives sin. And we celebrate that these stains can be removed. Though your sins be like scarlet, they can be whiter than snow. Though it be the deepest, darkest, uh, most crimson stain that you think is permanent, the Lord, by the blood of Christ, can wash your sins away. So forgiveness is the act of the Lord bearing away your sin because of a vicarious sacrifice in your place. Jesus Christ dying, being your sin bearer. The covering means that the sin is hidden from God's sight. When God looks at you, he sees the righteousness of Christ and your sin is not even in view. And here's a powerful one. Not imputing your iniquity to you means that it's not reckoned to your account. It's not put into your permanent record. So your sins have been separated from you as far as east is from west. Your sins have been put into the deepest sea, like a millstone being dropped into an ocean. And as Corey Tamboon says, and a sign has been placed on a boy that says, no fishing allowed. You have been forgiven, and you have been forgiven by God, and God is a forgiving God, and we should celebrate that God forgives sin, any kind of sin, little sins, big sins, bad sins, mortal sins, any kind of sin is forgiven because Jesus Christ provided the basis of forgiveness when he died on the cross and gave his sinless life in place for our sinful lives, and he gave us his righteousness in place of our unrighteousness. On the basis of Christ's sacrifice, his work for us, we are forgiven. David is literally singing a song here, introducing this psalm, and he's saying, Oh, the happiness! of the person who has, whose rebellion has been forgiven, whose failure to hit the mark has been covered. How happy is the person on whose account the Lord does not put his crookedness and whose spirit there is no deceit. Now, these verses are so profound that when the Apostle Paul was trying to describe salvation to the Christians in Rome, he wrote this to them in the book of Romans, chapter 4, verses 1 to 7. What then shall we say that Abraham, our forefather, according to the flesh, discovered in this matter? If, in fact, Abraham was justified by works, he had something to boast about, but not before God. What does Scripture say? Abraham believed God, and it was credited to him as righteousness. Now, to the one who works, wages are not credited as a gift, but as an obligation. However, to the one who does not work but trusts God, who justifies the ungodly, their faith is credited as righteousness. David says the same thing when he speaks of the blessedness of the one to whom God credits righteousness apart from works. And here's where he quotes Psalm 32, 1 and 2. Blessed are those whose transgressions are forgiven, whose sins are covered, Blessed is the one whose sin the Lord will never count against them. When I was a little kid, 
my mom wisely got me a bank book. And when I would deposit my allowance at the bank, that bank book would be stamped. And I got a kick out of seeing, let me see my bank book, let me see my bank book. Because I wanted to see the increase of the money I was saving in the bank. And the Bible is telling us that because of what Christ did on the cross for us, our bank book is always stamped righteous and is never stamped guilty. Isn't that a wonderful thing? You should look at your bank book because if you've trusted in Christ, it says righteous. And every time Satan wants to attack, He's an accuser of the brethren. He attacks us before God. He attacks us using other people. He attacks us within our own minds. He's the accuser of the brethren saying, you're guilty, you're guilty, you're guilty. But guess what? We have an advocate, a defense attorney with the Father, and his name is Jesus Christ. And Jesus Christ says, nope, that person is righteous. They're forgiven. They're under the blood. Let's celebrate. God forgives sin, and God has forgiven even my sin, even your sin. All your sins are forgiven. David is selling, telling you and me, celebrate that God forgives sin. But secondly, he's saying, testify, come on, testify with me that God convicts denial. You know it, and I know it. What happens when we keep sin under wraps? What happens when we pretend like we didn't sin? It's like the person who takes 15 ping pong balls and tries to shove them underwater. Guess what? That Those ping pong balls are going to be popping up somewhere else. You can't hide. You can run, but you can't hide. And that's what David found out. He said, be honest, agree with me on this one. When I kept silent, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. For day and night, your hand was heavy on me. My strength was sapped as in the heat of summer. Can you testify you've experienced this? It's called conviction. We're convicted of doing wrong. We have a conscience, and it tells us you've blown it. You've crossed the line. You have sinned. And God's Holy Spirit is like a hand that's on our shoulder saying, Hey, buddy, turn around. You, you've sinned, and we want to shrug it off. We want to harden our hearts and stiffen our necks and say, Who, me? Not me. Somebody else did. When we kept silent, our bones wasted away. Our denial affects us physically. If you read Psalm 51, you can see that his eyes were tired from weeping. I literally knew a man who groaned all day long. He would just let out a, ugh, ugh. He was in his 80s. He had lived a terrible life, and he was groaning all day long. Your sin will find you out. There'll be evidence of that. The silence of conviction. David paid for his sins physically and became ill, and he lost all energy and all excitement for life. And he knew the Lord was convicting him. He became dried up like a brook in a drought. And God wants us to get out of denial. He wants us to stop rationalizing and justifying our sin. And he wants us to come clean. He wants us to admit and agree with him that we've sinned. He wants us to call sin, sin, and holiness, holiness. 
and to know the difference. He's just waiting for us. You know, he comes to Adam and he says, why are you hiding? It's like, because we were ashamed and we're naked. Who told you you were naked? Oh, the woman you gave me. She's the one who made me do it. And the woman's like, oh, that serpent that you put in the garden. He's the one who did it. We all want to uh, hurl blame but we need to take responsibility. And David is saying, why did I wait an entire year? He was living in such denial that for a year he thought he had, his plot to cover up was successful. Uriah was killed in battle. He got some, uh, some rewards, awards uh, uh, after he died. And Bathsheba was his wife. Everything's good, except that the baby died. But David realized when Nathan came to him, that his cover-up was over. Nathan came to him, the prophet came to him, and he said, David, suppose a wealthy man who had many sheep lived next to a poor man who only had one little baby you. And this baby lamb was so special to him, it was like part of his family. I mean, he loved this baby lamb, and he even slept in, had the baby lamb live, sleep in bed with him. And so this rich man has a guest and uh, he wants to feed him um, um, some veal and he takes the little lamb from his neighbor, has it killed and prepared for his guest instead of all the sheep that he has. What should be done to that rich man? Oh, he should be killed! He should be punished to the highest extent of the law. And Nathan, the prophet, holds out his bony finger and says, you are the man. And because David has a sensitive heart to the Lord, even though he's been living in denial and he's been covering up and rationalizing and justifying his sin, as soon as Nathan said, you are the man, David said, that's me. I have sinned. I have sinned grievously against the Lord. And he confessed. Psalm 51, read about that. And here he celebrates, but he testifies, don't do what I did. Do not live in denial. Instead, confess. Confess instead of cover up sin. Psalm 32, verse 5, Then I acknowledged my sin to you and did not cover up my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord. To confess means to admit that you've done wrong. It's to agree with God that it's wrong. Come, let us reason together. God is saying, though your sins be like scarlet, they can be white as snow. But you've got to come to me and say, I admit it. I'm guilty as charged. I've done wrong. And when you confess, when you admit, when you agree with God, you're out of his will and you've been disobedient to him. It's like music to his ears. In Psalm 51, it says, a broken and contrite spirit you will not reject. In other words, when you feel your brokenness and when you are truly contrite and, and repentant of your sin and you come to the Lord, He will accept you. He receives you. He is looking forward to forgiving you and washing you clean. You say to yourself, why didn't I do this sooner? Why was I living in denial and covering it up? Now, here's the powerful part that I have heard from many has touched their lives. Experience being fully forgiven. The second part of this verse says this. It says, Then I acknowledged my sin to you and did not cover up my iniquity. I said I will confess my transgressions to the Lord. And you forgave what? You forgave my sin and the guilt of my sin. God not only forgives our sin, that is, that he bears it away through a vicarious sacrifice of Christ, 
that he hides it completely, burying it in the deepest sea and separating us from, from us as far as east is from west. He not only annihilates the, um, the guile that we had, the deceit that led us to conspire against him and commit holy treason against him, he even forgives the guilt of our sin. You see, sin leaves that stain, and we say, only if I could get over the regret and the self-condemnation that I feel. So yes, I know God's forgiven me, but why am I still kicking myself and punishing myself? Well, this is where we have to accept God's word by faith. Someone came and they confessed a terrible sin they had conducted to a pastor, and the pastor took them in the word to uh, 1 John and said, I, I need to ask you a question. This is in 1 John chapter 3. And he said, uh, uh, this verse here, it, it speaks very clearly about it. It says, uh, if, you have, uh, if our hearts, this is 1 John 3, 20, if our hearts condemn us, we know that God is greater than our hearts and he knows everything. Now, who's greater? Your heart that's condemning you or God who knows everything? Exactly. Thank you, Marilyn. God is greater than your heart. And if he says you're forgiven, you're forgiven. If he says you're righteous, you're righteous. If he says not guilty, then you are not guilty. The problem with this is it's hard for us as humans to accept this. Now, here's something that's very powerful. Many of us have quoted in the Bible Isaiah 55. And we quote it to make a point that God's ways are not our ways. As high as the heavens are above the earth, so are God's ways above our ways and his thoughts above our thoughts. Have you read Isaiah 55 recently? It says here, Seek the Lord, verse 6, while he may be found. Call on him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake their ways and the unrighteous their thoughts. Let them turn to the Lord and he will have mercy on them and to our God, for he will freely pardon. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways. The context of Isaiah 55 is you come to the Lord and ask for forgiveness because his thoughts are higher than your thoughts. His capacity and willingness to forgive you is greater than your capacity to forgive yourself. So who are you going to believe? You condemning yourself? Or God, whose ways are higher than your ways, whose thoughts are higher than yours, whose compassion is greater than yours, and he says, forgiven, not guilty. The Bible says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. And again, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. He is the atoning sacrifice for our sins, and not only for our sins, but also for the sins of the whole world. We are forgiven in Christ, and the guilt of our sin has been removed. You remember the story, the telltale heart in that story? Dickens is, is talking about how... This man had murdered someone and chopped him into pieces and stuck him under the floorboards. And the constable comes to visit on with him. 
And the whole time he's thinking, the constable knows, the constable is here because he knows I'm guilty. And as the constable was just visiting with him, a friendly, non-threatening visit, he's thinking, do you hear that? It's the guiltiness crying out. The heart of the man I murdered is beating and it's making a sound and it's making a louder sound. That constable must hear that heart that's beating. The Lord has forgiven you and you are righteous in Christ's sight. I spoke at a high school about the gospel. I said that if you will receive Christ, you will be forgiven of all your sins. I said that the grace of God is that we don't deserve forgiveness, but God gives it. And a student raised her hand and said, Do you mean to tell me that God would forgive a serial murderer? And I said, Yes, yes. Though your sins be like scarlet, the deepest, darkest stain, God will forgive. Now with regards to justice and the working out of things, that's up to God and He will work things out. But with regards to personal forgiveness, will God forgive the most grievous defiant sin you and I have ever committed? The answer is yes. When Christ died on the cross, he died for each and every one of your sins and mine, no matter how heinous or how horrific. And you know what? That is the grace of God. That's the scandal of the grace of God. The least deserving are forgiven. Experience that forgiveness in full. So David, having said this, closes up with the quick forgiveness lessons. And they are these. I told you to celebrate that you've been forgiven. I told you to testify with me that denial doesn't work, God convicts it. I told you to confess with me instead of covering up your sin. And I told you that you can experience the fullness of God's forgiveness. But here's the quick forgiveness lessons. Number one, be <clears throat> confessed up to date. Be confessed up to date. You see, the Lord says in verse six, therefore let all the faithful pray to you while you may be found. Surely the rising of the mighty waters will not reach them. What he's saying is that if you do not confess your sins when they are fresh and uh, when you have uh, committed them, your heart gets harder and harder. And it's like the mighty waters of denial are rising up around you. Again, Isaiah 55, 6 and 7, Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call on him while he's near. Let the wicked forsake their ways and the unrighteous their thoughts. Let them turn to the Lord and he will have mercy on them and to our God for he will freely pardon. So if a believer allows sins to accumulate God will have to step in and chasten that believer, discipline that believer. Not punish, which is the shame, but discipline, which means to teach. And it says in Hebrews 12, verse 7, God is treating you as his children, for what children are not disciplined by their father? If you are not disciplined and everyone undergoes discipline, then you're not legitimate. And he says in verse 10, God disciplines us for our good in order that we may share in his holiness. No discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful later on. However, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. The second quick lesson is this. Go to God for help. 
verse 7. You are my hiding place. You will protect me from trouble and surround me with songs of deliverance. You struggle with a certain sin and you realize, well, first of all, I've got to admit every time I do that sin that it's sin. And then secondly, I've got to ask God for help because he is my hiding place. He will protect me from trouble. He will surround me with songs of deliverance. 1 Corinthians 10, 13 says, there's no temptation or trial that you have experienced that is not common to other people, but in every place, God will, is faithful to make a way of escape. There's going to be an exit sign every time you're tempted, provided by your faithful God, if you'll only follow him. And that brings us to lesson number three. Follow the Lord's leading willingly. In Psalm 32, verses 8 and 9, it says, I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will counsel you with my loving eye on you. Do not be like the horse or the mule, which have no understanding but must be controlled by bit and bridle, or they will not come to you. You know, a horse or a mule, they've got a bit in their mouth. If you pull the bit to the right, then it pulls the head to the right, and the horse goes to the right. You pull it to the left, the horse goes this way. Nothing can change how much God loves you. Rest in his love. It says in 1 John 4 that perfect love casts out fear because fear has to do with punishment. If you're fearing that one day God's going to punish you for your sins, you're not resting in the perfect love that God has for you. God loves you with a perfect love. His love surrounds you. He says, you're mine. You belong to me now and forever. You are forgiven. You are righteous. You are my child and nothing will change your status in my forever family. Rejoice. Sing. Shout for joy. Because through Jesus Christ, my son, you are mine. You are righteous. Do you need encouragement? I want to share my spiritual gift of encouragement with you. If you would like to hear my current message series, you may call Butte Bible Fellowship at 530-892-0521. Call Butte Bible Fellowship at 530-892-0521 to find out how you can connect with our weekly worship services and faith-building messages from God's Word.